How have you overcome your imposter syndrome? I don't think I have. Mr. Peter Desev. Animated feature film. New Yorker magazines. Emmy Award. Hamilton King Award. Leo Award. Peter Desev. Peter Desev. Peter Desev. Invited me to work on The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Prince of Egypt, Mulan, Tarzan, The Emperor's New Groove, Bugs Life, Finding Nemo, Ice Age. This really interesting time in animation, this transitional time from 2D to, to 3D. It was very unusual at the time to hire an illustrator who wasn't an animator, who wasn't at Disney. You know, you don't want anything generic. And then... I've been drawing since I was a little kid. I don't think I recognized it as a real career path until I was in high school. I realized fairly early, if I couldn't twist the assignment to make it fun for me, there was no point in doing it. 75% of our lives working, I really think the secret of happiness is. Why do you think so many people are, are obsessed with finding a style? You don't want to get locked into doing absolutely one thing. You want to be growing. You want to be trying. I don't actually believe you can find a style. I think the style finds you. There's so many generic designs happening now that are good enough. AI could do that. And how easy it will be to create big-eyed, bobble-headed characters that the studios love so much. I'm really nervous about. Quick one, I wanted to speak directly with you all before we jump into this episode. Inspiration is always something that has fascinated me. And I've always had the urge to uncover and share my findings with all of you here. And I promise that is exactly what I'm going to keep doing. How I'm doing that is evolving into these conversations. So one favor, if you've ever watched this show, and especially if you've enjoyed it or learned something new and interesting, do me a favor and follow on this platform or just share these videos around. It really, really helps me scale up the production, scale up the guests, so everything just gets bigger and bigger. And I promise I will repay that gesture by making sure everything gets better and better and bigger and bigger. Peter Desev. Let's go back. Uh, yeah, yeah, fall backwards on your chair. If you could pick out a clear indicator of who you became today. I don't think I could identify it because I've been drawing since I was a little kid. And I've, you know, I've said this before and I'll probably say it tomorrow in my talk. It's almost embarrassing to look at my childish scratchings and sense of humor or the perspective in those. And then to look at the, my work now, there's not, there's a definite thread, you know? So, so I, um, I guess I've been, I've been this, I had the same sensibility in a way since I started to do it. I started to draw uh, as a kid. I started. I drew for friends. I drew for my family. I uh, I drew for myself, and um, it wasn't until I was in high school that I, and I don't know how how I got away with so long without realizing that you could actually have a career doing this. But it. I don't think it struck me until I was um, maybe fifteen something like that, like, oh, I could maybe, maybe a little younger, 
you know, when I started to aspire to be a, uh, a comic artist, you know, somebody who did superhero comics, that kind of thing. But I don't think I recognized it as a real career path until I was in, I was in high school. What about that then? Because that's still, I would say, you're saying that's quite late, but I'd say that's still quite early because a lot of people in their thirties today have no idea what they want to do, you know? Well, when, it, you know, for me, it was, it was my default. I mean, what else was I going to do? I wasn't, <laughs> it was really the only thing I was really good at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I shudder to think if, uh, if I hadn't found a foothold doing this, what the hell I would be doing. You know, uh, so it was, it was, as I say, you know, sort of organic, it just uh, kind of grew, grew into it, I think. And what, what area of time are we talking about here? Mid seventies, early eighties? What are we looking at? There's, there's no reason to get personal here. <laughs> yes, Sorry, early two thousands. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it was just a few years ago. <laughs> no, I was, uh, it was, uh, mid seventies. I, I uh, started at Parsons School of Design um, in 76, 1976. Oh, sorry, not 2076, in the future. No, yeah. no, and not 1876. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I can see how your talk is going to be good, to be honest. I can see the, the humor you're about to inject. Um, the reason why I ask about origins is because, you know, people finding their path. I've been I've been really playing with this idea recently of the road, which is like, you know, you, everyone's on a road. And sometimes you speak to someone who's much further along the road than you are and you don't really mm. quite understand what they're saying. And it's only when you get close to where they are, you're just like, oh, my God, I actually find I, I'm, that's starting to click. Right. But there's yeah. moments down the road where you're just like, okay, I have to choose a path. I need to decide where I'm going. And um, there's a lot of younger people now who obviously love drawing. Drawing is something that people love. Even before today, I don't know what sparked it, what inspired it. I was looking at old comics that I used to draw. Terrible. Mm -hmm. Terrible. Now, I haven't gotten oh, yeah. much better, but, <laughs> but they're terrible. And I thought okay. to myself, what a great time. You know, there's no pressure to perform there's no and uh, you're not trying to impress anyone except for your classmates maybe if you're sharing them around yeah and uh, yeah and we kind of lose that quite a bit right it, it's it's funny i have been thinking about that lately uh just just uh yesterday or this morning about how that's how i began i was just drawing for myself drawing for friends um then you get to school and you're drawing assignments um and then you're you're professional and you are having to hit certain marks and you have to provide a certain thing now now i'll say that the one thing that i learned fairly early on was that there was no point in doing this job i i, I started as an illustrator mm -hmm. Um, I didn't get into to animation until like 93, 94. And uh, so before that, I had like, you know, 18, 15 years of just being an illustrator for print. And I 
realized fairly early that if I wasn't going to, if I couldn't twist the assignment to, to make it fun for me, then there was, there was no point in doing it. It was just going to be horrible. And, and, you know, at the same time, I learned if you can make, if you can take an assignment and make it your own and solve it with your, your sense of humor, your perspective, your visual language, that's really true to you, then everybody wins because you're having fun. Um, you're providing something hopefully that's unique. And uh, if you're doing both those things, then your client will hopefully be happy as well. But, but I see people who, um, and I understand this, you know, this search for style. I, I don't actually believe you can find a style. I think the style finds you. But um, I, I, I think um, it's, it's, a, it's a dangerous thing to work for, for a style that is not your own. Then you're just a mechanic. Then you're just a stylist. And uh, uh, I don't know, it's kind of drudge work. Why do you think so many people are, are obsessed with finding a style then? Because I think a style is to some extent, you're stuck in trade. It's what makes you recognizable. It's what sets you apart. It's the thing that a client can identify and know that that is the look or the sensibility that I need, that I need as the client to apply to this, to this job, to solve this problem. Because when they're looking around for someone to solve their problem, they need to know, they want to know that it's, that they can somewhat predict how you're going to solve it. Not exactly your solution, but they know, you know, you're not going to come in with something cubist when your portfolio says you're an impressionist. You know what I mean? It's, uh, they there has to be a certain predictability to it. And so I think a, a style is important. You don't want to get locked into doing absolutely one thing. You want to be growing. You want to be trying. But, um, you know, back to what I was saying before about drawing as work, it's only in the last few years after these decades of doing this as a job and, and, and having fun with it but really allowing myself to just do stuff for myself again. It, it, uh, I, I've never been the guy that needs to go out painting, you know, uh, on the weekends. And usually when I've done with my work, I'm done with my work. But in, in recent years, and only the last two or three, I've just been sort of, putting aside other people's expectations in a way my own and just having, having some fun and just drawing the things I, I want to draw in between assignments. I had a great um, conversation with a tremendous artist called Jeremy Hoffman. He drew as a kid, people can watch it in a previous episode, but he drew as a kid and then fell away from it. And then when he was 40 years old, he was like, I really enjoyed drawing. Where did that go? And he yeah. set himself a five-year plan and just kept at it, draws every day, and, and now only draws for himself. 
And because of that, mm. so many people want to hire him. <laughs> you know, I met oh. him in Annecy and there was people flocking around him, just like flies trying, oh, I've got ideas for your characters and this and that. And he's like, yeah, sure, mm. no problem. And he just is drawing for himself. And now he just carries mm. sketchbooks and pencils hang out of his pocket every day, you know? Yeah. It's, um, yeah. It's really, really w rewarding to see, I've got to say. I, I don't know. There's something so nice about your vocation speaking to your soul, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, we spend what? I don't know what the, the percentage is, but I guess it's 75% of our lives working. And I really think the secret of happiness is figure out how to do work that you love, that is... Uh, nourishing otherwise you're just turning that part of your life off you know for 75 percent of it and it's a luxury i mean it's it's a lucky thing i consider myself incredibly fortunate to have fallen into what i do and to actually be able to um you know buy food <laughs> just that alone yeah just food thrilled about that and my family is pleased about that <laughs> do you do you, oh you allocate them food as well that's very generous some, yeah i give i mean if it's been a good week i feed them <laughs> to find a good week they've been good or you've gotten paid i got paid oh, okay yeah they they i can't expect the impossible from that <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. You mentioned uh, your career in animation, which I'm sure a lot of people are, are very curious about. I think, you know, one of the things I'll preface it with is that I had absolutely no plans to go into animation. Um, like so many of the things I did, I've done in my career, I really, I, uh, I hadn't, I wasn't gunning for it. And to some extent, I didn't think I could do it. And maybe that's why I never entertain it. Like animation. I, uh, I thought that's what animators that's, that's for people that animate and, uh, uh, the New Yorker that's for New Yorker artists. I'm not one of those, you know, didn't make sense, but that's, you know, I just never considered these things, but I did, um, I, I, how I got into animation, I, worked on a project which was unique for me because it was so big it was so long form it was a um it was for a, a company called rabbit ears and mm -hmm. they they were they did a great thing they were hiring artists of uh, illustrators of all these different styles to illustrate fairy tales different classic fairy tales, but they were being produced as essentially as animatics. This was, uh, you know, this was in the nineties, early nineties. And, uh, uh, what, what it was, was they, well, for, I, I illustrated Finn McCool, which is an Irish. Listen, uh, you're speaking to me. Okay. I'm Irish. You know? All right. Right. All right. You know, Finn, of course. And well, we, let me, before you go on, let me correct you on that. We say Fionn McCool. Damn it. And so all this time. <laughs> you began wrong, man. Yeah. yeah I just want to, you know, put yeah. your best foot forward to Irish audiences. All right. There. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to avoid his first name then. 
Um, Fionn McCool. So I did. The, yeah. The, yeah. Ian McCool. Um, <laughs> so it was an, it was this folk tale about a giant, blah, blah, blah. So, but it required, because it was essentially an animatic where they, the camera drifts across a, um, a, a still image and then soft dissolves one into another with some famous person doing the narration and music that was um, commissioned specifically for the project. I mean, they were, they were great things. Um, and uh, it required my doing about 150 watercolors, which was insane for me. Um, and, but I developed a method uh, that helped me to, to do it pretty quickly, but essentially, well, it came out, it went away, but a producer from Disney saw it, a guy named Roy Conley, uh, who has, he's still at Disney and he's a big cheese there now. Good guy. Um, and he invited me to work on the Hunchback of Notre Dame. And it was, it was a very interesting opportunity um, because it was interesting in a lot of ways. Um, I'd never done anything like that. They invited me out to uh, spend some time in, in LA. It, 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 was, it was an interesting time because it was, it was 2D animation. This guy, Roy Conley, had invited me in, but it, this was his first gig. So he was from theater, I think. So he, he was going outside the usual pool. It was very unusual at the time to hire an illustrator, to hire somebody outside of the system, outside who wasn't an animator, who wasn't at Disney. And um, I think it was the beginning of a, a, a lot of that sort of breaking the style a little bit. It was, uh, um, they started to go out to other people after that. Um, I did a lot of drawings. I really enjoyed it. My designs were essentially ignored. I don't know if there's anything that actually survived the process. But as I say, it was a really interesting time because I arrived there just after Katzenberg left to start this studio called DreamWorks or something. And uh, soon after Hunchback, I was invited to work on Prince of Egypt. Um, so that's a Hunchback's a 2D movie. Prince of Egypt was 2D, but there was, they started to, it was the first time I ever saw a digital painting and they were starting to use computer animation in a, in a, a, a basic way for backgrounds and things. So it was the, it was at this really interesting time in animation, this transitional time from 2D to, to 3D. And as a result, I kept getting invited to work on, you know, I didn't know at the time that these were going to be truly, you know, classic, his important movies like Finding Nemo and um, Bugs Life, Tarzan. Um, what else was there? Uh, Mulan. Uh, and then eventually Ice Age which was a game changer. And that's, you know, that's a different story, which I can expand on if you want. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't want to. Yeah. Ice Age was, was a really, it was a wonderful time and a really fortunate 
circumstance because I live in Brooklyn. I live on the East Coast. LA is very far away, but that's all. That's where all the animation was being done, all the features. But out of nowhere, I get this call from this little studio in Westchester, which is about an hour and a half away from where I live in Brooklyn. It's called Blue Sky. And uh, they've got this project, which they invite me, you know, they invite me to come up and they pitch it. And it's basically, you know, three men and a baby with a, a tiger, a sloth and a mammoth. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this sounds good. And... Uh, <laughs> I thought it was going to be about two weeks <laughs> of work. And I know I wasn't the only character designer that was up for it, but I started to submit drawings. They started to like them. Um, I was up there more and more, more, more and more often, and uh, eventually started to become sort of insinuate myself onto into other aspects of it, like the modeling. I started to make gentle suggestions about, well, maybe you could change this or that. They started to take those suggestions and eventually I became uh, kind of embedded in, in the process in a way that I've, I've never had the opportunity to do so again. And I think it's, it's really a shame because by by ice by the second ice age movie i was i was designing all the characters basically supervising the sculpts of them in actual clay i was working with modelers it was wonderful uh opportunity i really enjoyed that made a lot of great friends with this guy um so there was modeling and then rigging and rigging i would do expression sheets and uh, drawings to show how the body might move and the limits of that, you know, with rigging, as you know, you can lose a character if you start to, to sort of break the structure that's there. But unless I think, unless the designer tells you what that is, it's, that's, it's easy to lose your character in, in those processes. I would uh, also work with them or they would consult and they would invite me to talk about it. That was the great thing. There was, there was this, this respect for the idea that the designer knows a little bit about these characters and that could help inform their creation down the line, even down to fur and materials, you know, how, you know, how, how, how coarse is the fur? How wet is the nose? How, you know, that, that kind of thing. So it was the most, um, it was extremely satisfying, gratifying, uh, series of movies. I mean, uh, there were about five of them. Uh, I wish I could say they got better <laughs> as they went along. That's just the way things go, but I enjoyed working <laughs> on every one of them. Uh, so you're saying was, the more input you had, the, the the worst thing you yeah, got yeah just tanked yeah that's an interesting uh thing to to take away from my story <laughs> you're welcome you know but it's it's you've got a you've got some really good and interesting points in there because it is rare for a character designer to generally once the work is done you know slan goodbye off you go chopped off the yeah. pipeline and you're done you're moved on to something else yeah. 
it's so rare to be part of it because your your position generally in animation you're part of the innovation stage where everything's innovating yeah. it's all fresh it's new ideas 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 once it gets to the pipeline it's suddenly efficiency the innovation is gone it's just efficiency so it's rare for Absolutely. people to be in there you know i'd love that idea yeah um and i yeah. i definitely think it is part of the success because your designs are so specific like i mean you talk about ice age there's things like robots all these different kind of movies as well and um, mm -hmm. if anyone has the time <laughs> this is a terrible way to phrase it the time to look at your designs if anyone wants to see your stuff <laughs> if anybody isn't doing anything today and they're bored out of their mind yeah maybe try and type in peter to save and uh, have yeah. a look at his scribbles letters, you know probably yeah. yeah but you've got this incredible engine i think behind that design process of these particular movies and it's funny you say of course you don't know how uh, influential a movie is any project you do you know even for me working on film and tv when i get a script i'm like what the hell is this i don't i can't see it and then later on you've had the pleasure of working on something that's been big or you know connected with people in a certain way but there's absolutely no way to predict that you know there's no predictor no, of that. i i've i've worked on things that i i just thought this thing's not even going to get made and then <laughs> Uh, they always get made. It's it's well. They they often get made. It's really uh, incredible to me. Um, a lot of times, those early scripts are not so so great. Also, but it, that was that was a time that that period that I'm talking about was a great time in animation. And uh, um, I've got to say, I've become a little bit cynical in recent years about the kind of movies that are being made and the sort of the predictable arcs they're built on. It's I've heard a phrase you've used before, which is something that really struck with me. This idea of good enough. Mm. Things are yeah. good enough. It, okay. That's good enough. Yeah. Let's move on. And it, yeah. it's like a chain of not great decisions then. Right. There was a, there was a period Ice Age and, and after that, uh, you know, especially Ice Age, I mean, I have to say that um, Fox and Blue Sky were really, really great about um, giving, giving me as the character designer a title and credit that showed up early in the, in the, you know, in the scroll. Now you really, you have to dig around. But my contention was and is although it, you know, it, it's on deaf ears now, is that the character designer is incredibly important to the film. I mean, they give you, they give the audience the face that the character uh, to relate to. It's, 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 an, it's an incredibly important um, uh, role, I think, but I, I don't think it's, uh, it's recognized. It felt like, that idea was getting traction for a while, but I, I see now character designers are somewhat buried in the, in the scroll, but oh God, I could go on. And, um, it sounds to me you're a bit jaded already. <laughs> no, of course you'd say fine. this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no. There's the kind of idea of when you, and I'm sure you've heard this, when you design a character, you're trying to make it 
um, as reflective of anyone could be that character, right? The main character, the kind of empty box syndrome, whatever you would call it. So you could step into the shoes. But I, I like the idea of the more fleshed out someone is, the far more relatable they are. Well, yeah, I mean, you don't you don't want um, I don't think you know you don't want anything generic, and I see it. There's so many generic designs happening now that are that are good enough, and uh, it's 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 you know it's it's deflating. I have to say there is a great movement away from like they've hit it. They've hit what. 3d realism can do in the lion king they can't that's it they've hit it yeah so now it's like okay well what else can we do and things like you know movies like the spider-verse and stuff very interesting and how they're redesigning it so i'd be curious now to see a peter Desev design fleshed out in that way because obviously scrat and all these other characters very reminiscent of your design but very early computer animation Whereas now mm-hmm, yeah. you could really literally take the illustration and make it representative in 3D. Yes, but I, I find more and more, God, this sounds like the grumpy old man for Christ's sake, but <laughs> um, I don't know whether it's about um, about budget or whatever, but I find rather than being invited to to really do a deep dive and shepherd these characters through a film. Now, more often than not, I'm hired for uh, very early on for a bunch of days uh, where I give them the DNA, and uh, and then they then they take it in house and they do what they will with it. And it's it's difficult to see. You see, I see vestiges of what I did, but. The idea of seeing a completely finished character rarely, it rarely happens now. And I don't, I don't, I just don't understand the thinking. I mean, I don't know. What do you think the consequence of that is then? Uh, from my perspective, it, it, it feels like the, uh, the design on a lot of these features is diluted and that there's, uh, there isn't a, um, a really specific, unique uh, look to it. I mean, when I th- when I think of great character design and and really seeing in an ind- an individual perspective, I think of uh, Nico Marley. I think he's uh, he's a great designer. Carter Goodrich, of course, as well. But um, you don't see i don't know i don't see that kind of authorship anymore um and correct me if i'm wrong is there is there something you can think of that you know really looks like oh that's that's different not in a 3d space anyways maybe the the works of illumination or something but they've latched on to the the design specific but definitely in in hand-drawn animation and I'll fly the flag because I'm Irish, you know, things like Cartoon Saloon's work, The Secret of Kells or Wolfhawkers, yeah. very unique thread of design through them. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But they're they're few and far between now, you know, very few and far between. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And I think and I think and we were gonna stumble into this sooner or later, I'm sure, with AI. 
I wasn't going to go there, man, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm really nervous about the good enough aspect of that and how easy it will be to create these sort of, you know, big eyed bobble headed characters that the studios love so much. I mean, AI could do that very easily. And I just, given that studios are so driven by the bottom line, I, uh, I just, I don't think they're going to be able to resist it. I really don't. Because, because it stops being a quest for originality then, right? That, I, that quest seems to have ended a while ago. That's so sad. Peter, don't, don't say that. God, I really, <laughs> I really am letting it rip today. Well, I, let, let's uplift the people with something. Let's okay, uplift yes. them. Yes. Well, I'm just telling, you know, just fight, fight the fight. Don't fold. Yeah, don't you know? use AI. Well, there's a lot. Artists, I think, in specific are against the use of AI. And I did a, Absolutely. I did a recent survey for my uh, listeners slash watchers, whatever you call them. Um, and one of the questions was, do you or would you ever use AI as part of your workflow? 100% no. <laughs> Nobody said yes to that. These are hundreds of people, people thousands. You? Yeah. Why would you, as an artist, why would you do that? But that's the thing, you know, it's it's people trying to get a leg up over that. They they are afraid they have this idea that artistry is a gate kept thing, whereas it's really um time. Time and thought are the two things. You know, it's very messy, very messy thing or any kind of artistry. Innovation is a tremendously messy, messy process. Uh, even looking at your drawings, as beautiful, succinct, and everything are, you can still see the the pencil. You know, you the mess of the line, um, the satisfaction of when a line goes where you want it to go, right, and where you might not have predicted it it would go. That's, I mean, to me, that's that's one of the virtues of working um, traditionally is that you can't command Z every error. You know, you live with those mistakes and see where they where they take you. I refuse to live with mistakes, and <laughs> but you know, you learn more through failing than you ever would through succeeding, right? Recently, the work you've been doing, right? Uh, you know, you said that you've been hired on to um, basically give the DNA to characters, right? But of course, you're an illustrator. So you're illustrating posters, you're illustrating things. I know recently you illustrated for the French Institute, the animation first. I'm curious about your thought of the design of that process, of that poster, sorry. Um, I didn't think about it. <laughs> I, no, I didn't. I just copied it. Really. AI, I got AI to draw. Yeah. yeah, I had AI do it, actually. You know, it... it um, I think it came about, I, uh, I knew it had to, I, I knew it had to feel French to some extent, whether it does or not, I'm not sure, but um, it had to refer to that. And of course it had to refer to animation. And when I think of animation as an illustration, naturally I think of things in sequence, you know, I wanted to do something um, that showed, um, showed, movement and that, you know, reflected the idea of, uh, of animation. And so, um, I, 
Let me see if I got my sketchbook. Hold yeah, on. absolutely. I mean, first I was just doodling people moving, wow. you know, sequentially. Yeah. Um, I, then I, I kept thinking about the Sen. Um, there's no movement in that. There was another drawing, but I, I kept thinking about the uh, somebody at the banks of the Sen. Then I stumbled on mm. to this. Yeah. Um, but there was an, I was stuck on this idea. I love this, um, this, uh, the expression, what is the expression? You really love it. <laughs> Just let me think. Um, L'esprit d'escalier, I think it is the spirit of the staircase. It's when, it's when you leave an argument. And you're walking down the stairs and you think of the thing you should have said. And um, so I did this sequential thing of somebody going through that, like, oh, ah, 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 on this staircase. Um, but I think it was just too, uh, it was too much. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I ended up with this sort of Pierrot, this sort of French clown and... Um, and the unexpected end of the sequence. But I love that idea of the, the what you said, the spirit of the staircase. Wow, I've never heard that. I, I just I love the I just love the idea of like, don't. Because I have it every time I hang up one of these conversations. Right. <laughs> just like, right, right. I'm going to have it as soon as we, uh, as soon as we yeah. finish. Do you know, I do want to ask one thing then in terms of artistic process, because I know this is something that people struggle with. And I'm curious if it's something that's ever run through your head. Um, imposter syndrome. Yeah, I mean, I don't know an artist who, who doesn't uh, doesn't suffer from that. I um, I mean, I'm sure I, I certainly did every time I started a new um, venture like... Uh, doing a, a poster for a, a Broadway show, terrifying, um, working in animation, doing a New Yorker cover. It's like, I, I, how did I, how did this happen? They're making a mistake. Um, and now I'm going to show them that they're making a mistake. And then you, you know, you get through it. Um, and then you're a New Yorker artist, you know, and how did that happen? I absolutely struggle from that. Every time I sit down to do watercolor, I've never, I've never felt like I've figured it out. Like I'm just starting over every time I do a piece and, uh, and you watch these people on Instagram, you watch them paint so deftly. Um, I think, wow, Jesus, I've been doing it wrong the whole time. Wow. Still. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's part of the game. It keeps you nervous. It keeps you, um, I think it, it, it keeps you trying to do better. Yeah. I don't know if I want to keep feeling nervous, but trying to do better. I'd love the, the increase. Um, actionable steps. How have you overcome your imposter syndrome? I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I have. I, I really don't. I mean, I'm, I'm working on a New Yorker cover now and, uh, yeah, I'm, 
I really, I, I really feel good about the idea, but you know, I'm working on, it. I hope it turns out, you know, I don't know. I, I, uh, sometimes I have these surges of confidence, you know, but, uh, it's a struggle. It's always a struggle. Out, outwork the, the nerves, basically out, outwork, just keep going. Like you've been in this mm -hmm. game since. If you want to go there again, Cole. <laughs> Obviously just tell me you your do. goddamn age, Peter. Yeah, just right. You guys do the math, but I, um, I, uh, I, yeah, I, I graduated from high school in '76, and I went to Parsons '76 to '80. I, um, my first gig in animation was '93, I think, and I've been doing work in that space ever since. Sort of uh, both illustration and character design but in in recent years the um the character design has eclipsed the the illustration and it's only as i say in the last few years that i just started to do stuff uh for myself you know the uh you know just full-on illustrations because i really miss the i really love doing character design i love the the speed I love uh, just drawing loosely and exploring. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's satisfying, but when, but I do like the balance of, of having uh, finished pieces as well. There've been years of busy character design work, which have left me with very, very few finished pieces. In light of our up and down turbulent conversation, you know, let's, uh, let's leave them on a good note. That's uh Let's yeah. go with some nice, nice advice you'd give to people who see Peter DeSav and think, wow, how do I get there? I, if I were to presume to give advice, I would, I would say, first of all, it is, it is a, it's a wonderful way to, uh, it's a wonderful career to have, to be, to be able to draw for people, to be able to do something you love and uh, get satisfaction from it and provide satisfaction and enjoyment to other people. It's, it's a great thing. And it's really, really worth, um, working for it's, I think it's important to really, um, figure out who you are as an artist, what you personally love to draw. Not, not just don't, if, if you're in animation, don't study animation, not, not for, not for, not for the raw material. I mean, of course there, you can learn from every, every film, but in terms of feeding your creative furnace, go outside of animation, go to paintings and drawings, things that are not, uh, uh, things that were done a hundred, 200 years ago. 500 years ago, I've been, I've been inspired by, um, cave drawings, that rawness, that beautiful, the, just the design in them, the color, um, that stuff will feed, will feed you. And you, you have to seek it out. Don't just look at illustration. Don't just look at character design. Just look, look everywhere and really look around you look i mean i live in new york and 
it's astonishing the character design all around you every single person walking by is just i mean i i it breaks my heart that i can't record them because the combination of colors and patterns things you can't make up they you know the the styles and the and the faces and the shapes of these people every time the door opens on a subway characters come in and it's so so observe 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 just take it in try to remember what you see and just to just always always look always uh, um absorb that was positive right that that's was, so positive yeah so pretty yeah. positive that's stuff. pretty positive peter thank you so much i really appreciate your time it was a great pleasure it, no, really? Well, I, I don't know if that is true or not, but for me, it was, <laughs> it was, a, it's not true. Yeah. And for me, it wasn't either. And I can't wait to get off this call. <laughs> Anyways, goodbye. And <laughs> uh, no, Peter, I, I, it is a true privilege to talk um, to you and to, to dig into your, your uh, mind. Thank you. Thank you. I hope I. Uh,